0: Aloha, this is the 12th episode of Psychology Has It Backwards. I'm Christine Heath. with Judy Sedgman. And we're going to talk today a little bit about there's the myth that's... To me, it's a myth that leads to hopelessness. And that is is that there are some psychological problems that you can't get better from. And, I mean... As a therapist, let me tell you, I used to tell people that before I learned this new understanding of the principles, I worked exclusively with um, people who were in families where there was sexual abuse, incest families and domestic violence and really, really, really hurtful things that people did to each other. And I used to tell people who were sexually abused as children that they'd never get over it, that it was something that could be like really a big thing in their life and it could get to be a little thing but it would probably always be there with them and always cause them to have some distress and they just have to learn to live with it they just have to learn to cope with it need health it's because i didn't understand that we have this beautiful natural resource of mental well-being that exists within us at all times and we just get ideas sometimes because we as a field haven't been able to help certain people so instead of saying we just don't know how to help you yet we say you can't get better which is always interesting right like couples come in and we the couples counseling we used to do um they'd come in and we'd say we wish people would come in for counseling earlier so we could help them because we thought by the time they came in they were in such a mess that they wouldn't get better and we couldn't help them. So it was really doing divorce counseling, and that really wasn't very much fun. But it's really kind of the side effect of when you're doing psychology backwards is that people never find that innate health that's inside of them. So when you turn things around and you start showing people that they have hope inside of them, that they have the ability to feel better no matter what, and that doesn't mean to say that you might still struggle with some some things that go wrong I mean sometimes we have little like I'm dyslexic right and so I have issues with reading sometimes and when I'm stressed I have more issues with reading but um, there are times when I'm not bothered by it so it's always interesting to me how my state of mind affects what's how my processing works but your emotional status is, is like it's built into you to be happy and healthy and everybody, no matter what diagnosis they have, has moments when they're in that feeling. Think about that. I don't have any moments when my eyes are blue. My eyes are green 24-7 every day of my life. It's not something that changes unless I put you know, context and would change the color, but my eyes would be the same color. So if you remember that your innate health is always inside of you, it's just being able to recognize how to live there more time, then no matter what happens to you, no matter what's happened in your past, no matter what you've done to other people, and no matter what the circumstances of your life are, you have the ability to be in that beautiful feeling, in a feeling of well-being, in a feeling of security, in a feeling of peacefulness in a feeling of love, like that's built into us.
1: Yeah, it's natural to us to revert back to it too. So when we get out of that feeling state, sometimes we try so hard. I I have so many clients who say, oh, I keep thinking and thinking, how am I going to get over this? How am I going to get this behind me? How am I going to get revenge? How am I going to do this or that? And, you know, that's the exact opposite of something natural just happening naturally if you allow it to. And I think the, 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 the lesson that we've all learned through the principles is to leave our, our personal agitated thinking alone, not to get all worked up trying so hard to figure things out with our, you know, our little, our little brains. We forget that we have this resource that's within us that's sort of like if you had a um you know, a water feature in your in your yard, you know, a thing that bubbled and bubbled and bubbled, and suddenly you put your thumb on the little place where the bubbles come out. Well, they're not happening because you're holding them back, but as soon as you release it, the bubbles will burble back up again. And that's how our, our the beautiful feelings that are natural to us are they like the eternal fountain of our joy that's always ready to bubble back up again and all we have to do is release that release our our hold on it and and how we hold it back is is just overthinking everything and thinking we have to fix it for ourselves and forgetting that there's this spiritual gift that's built in that's bigger than we are that's more than our personal thinking so There's no way that you can kill the human spirit. I always tell my clients that, you know, you can, you can do a lot of things to yourself, but you can't kill your spiritual nature. It's formless. It just is, it just is. And we just are when we're at our best. We just are. Uh, and that's, that's the feeling that we're always looking for, but we tend to look outside of ourselves or look to help from others or look to, you know a, a book about it or instruction manuals or whatever instead of looking to our own hearts and souls and going you no know, yet it's there i know it's there it's the pilot light of my life
0: you know we had a um a practitioners event and at that practitioners event these are uh people who are trying to it, understand for themselves this whole idea of innate health and then incorporate them that into their counseling practice or their coaching practice, or well, however they may be working business consulting or whatever. And there was a, there was like several programs there uh, that people were presenting about the work they were doing with people in prisons. And one of the women that talked had been diagnosed with multiple personality disorder. And she was told by many, many doctors and many therapists that she would never get over it. She had, I don't know, do you remember how many, she had like 12 different um, personalities. And she just thought that she was stuck with this, that she would flip personalities and then not know what she did in one personality in the next one. And she'd had an awful childhood. She'd had a really, uh, you know, a lots of really bad things happened to her and she ended up in prison. And When she met these people in the prison, they started teaching her about mental well-being and about innate health and about how thought worked. She had this huge insight, and she suddenly realized that she wasn't what she thought. And then she saw that all of those personalities were her way of dealing with the insecurity that she was feeling, that there was so much trauma and And um, bad things happening around her that the best idea she came up with to deal with it was to become somebody else and literally create a whole nother way of thinking and being in her body. Now, to me, that is survival at its best, like Mm -hmm. how, how to really know that that my suffering has something to do with my thinking. So I'm going to change and create a different personality. Now, if you don't understand that, it looks like there's something biological that's happening that people shift when they're stressed into different personalities. But what does that mean? All that means is that you're changing how you think about yourself. So it, it was interesting because she said she, she, as she learned how the principles worked, she just stopped having different personalities. And she said, you know, I feel happy every day. Every day I feel happy. And you could see, like, this was so uh, beautiful to her and so new that it just, like, she came alive and it was infectious to people. Like, they could see that there was something here, something different that was going on with this person, that she could even talk about that, that she could even discuss it, that that experience was something that she knew and could talk about.
1: Yeah, that's, that's beautiful. And I, I think sometimes in in the profession, people get frightened by some of these manifestations of thought. If you don't know that it's all thought and you don't know that we're creating what we need, the best we can come up with, let's put it that way. So she came up with that and other people come up with other things. But when people, you know, when I when I think about the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual, I always think it's kind of a list of all the creative things that people have come up with to cope with the feelings they, they can't understand and that they stop meaning anything to them when they understand that it's their own thinking and that they've created that. And that's actually a positive thing if that's the best they can do. And as soon as they have an understanding of a thought works and the fact that we are creating our own experience, uh, they don't have to do that anymore. So they just stop. And that's always shocking. You know, I'm I'm always shocked when I hear these stories or even, you know, I sometimes run into clients of some of my friends who tell these stories that, wow, isn't that amazing? That they just, they didn't need to be on 10,000 medications and constantly going to the hospital and all of this stuff. As soon as they realized what was going on and they thought, oh, okay, I don't have to do that anymore. Because now I feel all right, and I know that it's just my thinking, and if I have these random thoughts, I don't have to take them seriously. And life is not attacking me. I am feeling attacked by the way I'm thinking about my life. And those those things, you know, now they kind of roll off my tongue, and they seem so simple, but when I first learned this, it didn't look that simple to me. Because I had ingrained in me the idea that, you know, you're always kind of battered around by life. But the truth is, you, you can't be unless you think you are. And sometimes when you're not, if you think you are, you might as well be. Yeah. So, you know, it's, it's one person's, you know, like the old Simon and Garfunkel song, you know, one man's ceiling is another man's floor. And for some people, uh, you know, the floor is, you know, I'm having a bad day. And for some people, the floor is, but I had 15 years of horrible abuse that doesn't make any difference because there's always a ceiling. And when, when we look up and look beyond the thinking that we've habitually done, because that's the best we could come up with. And that's what people told us, or uh, you know, we don't have to listen to anything but our own wisdom. Like I had a client recently, I had a client who, you know, is in her midlife right now, but for, for, all of her life until very recently, uh, she's been abused by first parents and relatives and then various men and various other people that came into her life. And so she has no uh she she has this idea that she's a magnet for bad people. So, you know, she said to me, What's wrong with me? What is it about me that attracts these terrible people that are gonna hurt me? And you know I First of all, I'm never going to answer that question. That's something for her to discover that it's not anything wrong with her at all, but that, that you know, that she's, the way she goes about life and the way she thinks about life and the people that look sensible to her reflect her state of mind. It's not, it's not that there's anything wrong with her. And, uh but it, it, when she's asking me that question, she's just in agony. And she said, you know, I've been to 15 therapists, 15 therapists in my adult life, and every one of them has given me a different diagnosis. And if I have all those things going on wrong with me, I, I won't live long enough to get over them. <laughs> you know? And, you know, it's, it's funny, Chris, It you know, when you think about it, it seems so silly now to me, but it, there was a time in my life if I met somebody like that, I'd be sitting there going, oh, my gosh, oh, no. And now I just look at it and say, no, it's okay. You know, in this moment now, you're not broken. There's nothing wrong with you. And, and your thinking, your habitual thinking has become like a, like bad music playing in your mind every day. You know, this thing about there's, I'm broken. There's something wrong with me. All these people have hurt me. But I said, you know, so right now she's sitting in her house. She has three beautiful dogs and she fosters dogs. So she had three beautiful dogs. And, you know, she has a cute little house, and she's talking to me on the phone. And I said, right now, at this moment, you're fine. You know, nobody's, nobody's hurting you, and you have a lovely moment going on right now. And that's what life is. It's like stringing all these little pearls together of one moment after another. And the only thing that can spoil the present moment is thinking about the past and bringing it forward and then deciding it's that you're totally ruined and wounded because things that happened before.
0: You know, it's funny too, because when you go to someone that is in that world of traditional psychology, they tend to tell you, you have anxiety, you have depression and you're going to suffer from this for the rest of your life so we're going to put you on this medication that you're going to have to take for the rest of your life. Now, that's really a hopeless to think like that, but it's also not true because anxiety and depression is the reaction to the state of mind you're in. So, when people go on vacation or they, you know, they fall in love, I mean, all kinds of things happen and they're in a great feeling and they're doing fine. And then that wears off or come back from vacation or whatever it is. And then they get back into their own old thinking patterns and their mind is going like a bat out of hell. And they're just really going, going, going. And then they lose their good feeling and they think, Oh, there it is. It's back again. My depression is back. It was, to me, it was like my depression seemed like it was kind of like this, this, uh, uh, it's like my dog almost like my trusty dog who was, (laughs) there ready to love me and and at my at my heels waiting to be adored because somehow it was a safe place to go it was like going into that feeling looked like it was caretaking in some way but i realized that i thought it was a thing that my depression was a thing that would come over me and instead of just seeing that my, re, my depression was the result of the thought patterns I had and the state of mind I was living in, the fact that I was not getting any sleep and going a million miles an hour. And so when clients come in now, they, they come in and they say, well, I've got, uh, it's my depression or my anxiety. And getting them off of that, once they've been told that, is, can be really difficult because people really get attached to being sick. And what what I would like you to hear from this is that you really want to be attached to being healthy. That being sick and suffering will come and go, but your health will always come back. Focus on that. Don't focus on the times that you're not there because the more you grow those moments and the more of those moments of mental health you have, the less moments of suffering you're going to have.
1: No, that's a great point Chris because the truth is what's eternal is our 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 basic wisdom and our our basic spiritual nature that's the eternal part of us the energy of life flowing through us and the part that comes and goes is all the thoughts we have about life and no matter what we're thinking about we can it only lasts as long as we think it mm-hmm. But you're right, when people get in the habit of thinking it over and over again, or thinking more about it every time it comes to mind, or thinking about all of its relatives, every time it comes to mind, uh, it starts looking like it's a thing, like it's our life, it's the way it is. But the way it truly is, honestly, is that we're born with this gift, this beautiful gift of innate health. And if you ever look at a newborn baby, you see it. You know, I, everybody can say, "Oh yeah, babies—they're always happy." But what do they know? You know, <laughs> well, that's the point, because they don't—they're not attached to their thinking yet. But that's that's the natural state. That's that's what's natural to us. And then we have this other gift to think anything we want, and that's the power of thought. So we can think anything. We can. I always tell, you know, teenage clients, you know, if you want to take all this horrible stuff you're thinking and write it down, you could be Stephen King. You can make a fortune writing horror novels, you know, but still you're making it up. You know, you can either make it up and make it your life and take it seriously and make it overwhelming to you, or you can make it up and go, man, that's a good story. I could sell that You know, and start to realize that it's transitory. You know, if you, You can forget about it. You can write it down or you can keep bringing it up. But it's all within your power. And it's also within your power to turn your back on it and go, that's not how I want to spend my time.
0: And and that's actually kind of what happens when you, when you find your health and you settle in there, your past feels like it was a movie you went to. Yeah. You don't have that personal connection to it. Whereas when you're kind of analyzing why you are the way you are and going over your past and your trauma, it's all right now. It feels like it's happening right now. It's still with you. It's like this ghost that continues to haunt you.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: And I think that that was the most wonderful thing was to see that my past was just what it was. And, And a lot of what I thought about my past wasn't even true. Like I made up a lot of stuff as I, as I got older, my siblings would, tell me stories about myself. And I was like, well, that didn't happen. And they go, Oh, we just told you that because we didn't want you to be upset. I was like, what the whole truth is not true. You were telling me stories. So, you know, it's like, it's just recognizing there's beautiful things in our past too. And there's bad things in our past. And they're all, once you get to that place where you see that it's just thought, it's not it's not a control of you. It's right. something that happened in your life. It doesn't yeah. mean anything about you. But making it mean something about you, then you carry it with you through time, moment to moment, and it distorts what you see in your daily life. So life looks depressing when you're looking at it through that, that, those thoughts. It just creates a lens, really, that you're looking at life, like a pair of glasses mm-hmm. that are uh, yeah. not right for you anymore.
1: Yeah. So give yourself an opportunity to really, um, think about the importance of the present moment versus the past. You know, when, whenever you get caught up in the past, it's almost like you have to look around and go, well, wait a minute. None of that is happening now. I'm here now. You know, sometimes, sometimes you can get so caught up in it, you even forget where you are. You know, you're kind of like living in this story. But just to, you know, to be able, for me, I know when I first got involved in this, because I had a lot of thinking going on, it wasn't necessarily about the distant past. It was about, you know, the client that yelled at me 10 minutes ago, but doesn't make any difference. And I found if I just stepped outside for a minute, my office was in Florida, so any time of year I could step outside. If I just stepped outside for a minute and looked at the flowers that were growing around the building or just took a look at the sky and just sort of pull myself back. To now, um, it would just look silly to, to waste my time thinking about that. It would just, it would take it, it would take its place where it belongs. That was, that was then, and this is now. And it, and I know that sounds like a technique or it sounds silly, but really everybody has their own way of doing that. Like I have one client who says, yeah, I knit, you know, that always, I, I love knitting and it's kind of automatic and everything, but I can feel this, create this creation taking shape under my hands and it brings me into the present moment. I don't know what quite what it's gonna look like yet, but I know where I'm going with it. And it's future directed. Yeah, I never thought of knitting as future directed, but to her that was very meaningful. Yeah. And I I really I honestly believe that that's our health asserting itself. As soon as we have a moment of quiet, just a moment where we just let let our minds rest. Just let that stuff Simmer down, so to speak. Uh, you know, our our health pops back for us and says, "Okay, in the present moment, you're fine. You're okay now." And you know, the funny part about it is, in in the present moment, if we're not fine, we always know what to do. You know, if you're in the middle of something, like you know, let's say uh, you have a fender bender or something, you, you know, you don't freak out. You know, it's like you freak out afterwards when you think about it, but the time. You just know what to do. And we forget that. We forget that even even at the worst of times, people found ways. You wouldn't be here if you hadn't. And you're fine. You got through it. It's over.
0: Yeah, it's times when there's really something wrong or something that is that is a problem, you know, like a car accident or something. It's amazing how we, we click into that state of mind without any effort. It just, boom, right. you're there. Right. And then afterwards you start thinking about it. And then you create a whole nother story. And then you live in that, not that memory of actually what happened, but you live in the fear you created afterwards. Right. And, and and it's kind of interesting, isn't it, that it's so easy to access that state of mind that when we need to, it happens without us doing it anything. And right. that's what we just have to remember is that your mental well being, no matter how many years you've been depressed, no matter how many How many personalities you've developed, no matter how many um, uh, times you've been treated for anxiety or depression or PTSD, that health is inside of you. Focus on that. Yes. That's where the change will happen from. Yeah.
1: So, with that, we wish you peace of mind and the ability to see the past for what it is and enjoy the present moment.
0: Happy New Year.
1: Happy New Year. And we'll see you next week.
0: We hope you heard something new and that you will continue to join us to challenge the prevailing thinking about the possibilities for health in everyone. To subscribe to the podcast, visit our website at psychologyhasitbackwards.com.